Okay, let's go. I didn't feel very militant this morning, but now I do. So you'll be on the receiving end a little bit. Also, time has pushed us by and I've got a lot to say this morning. So you may need to get the tape, download the podcast, do something because we'll be changing gear. Okay? But we're ready and we're being positioned for Transform Lives. Last time I ministered to you, I ministered in the name above all names. Did we not? And hopefully you've started to take some of those things on board and launch it in your prayer times. So today we're going to do the name above all names, part two. I could do the name above all names, part 98, because this thing is huge of where we're going. So this morning, I'm only going to touch the tip of the iceberg. But I know because I've already spoken to Pastor Tony, we will be taking this into depth either on a Sunday morning or as part of Authentic. We will be building these things. But I am telling you now, from the man with the experience, if you will take this on board and start to launch it in your own life, things will change. You know when you go to the doctors and he gives you some antibiotics and he says, if you're not going to take the entire course, don't bother. Don't take 18 tablets of 19 and think, I don't need the last one because I feel much better. If we apply the prescription that God gives us in the way that the Holy Ghost tells us, we read the label and follow its instructions, it will work. Amen? So are you ready? Okay, let's go. John 16, 23, 27 declares this. In that day, you will no, last, no longer ask uh, me for anything. Verily, truly, I tell you, f- uh, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my father. In that day, you will ask in my name, And I am not saying that I will ask the Father on on, uh, your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Number two, ask and you will receive. In that day, you will ask in my name. I am not saying I will ask on your behalf. The Father loves you because you love me and believe that I came from him. We have been given direct access to the Father, not only him, but the Holy Spirit who helps us in our inability to produce results. This is all a quick recap from week one. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. That's Romans 8 and verse 26. He helps us in our inability to produce results. We talked about breaking the myth, the myth that is often in the great get out clause in church. We water everything down on the promises to say that if it be your will, if God is willing, if God wills and hopes and we've got our rabbit's foot and we crossed our fingers on a Wednesday, something will happen. We dealt with the great myth last time. God says, because he loves you, you come to me through Jesus Christ and I will do it. Thank you, Julie. And I will do it on your behalf. Why? Because he loves us. There is a power behind the name. We have a name that we've been declaring Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But there is a power and there is a right and a privilege behind that name. In Philippians 2, verse 9 to 11, 
We're very familiar with the scripture. It says, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him, gave him a name above every name. That at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Revelation nineteen sixteen, And on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He has a name which has been given, which is above every name in heaven, earth and under the earth. There is not one dimension where the name of Jesus is not Lord. There is not one dimension where Jesus Christ is not King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Heaven, earth, under the earth, Jesus Christ is still in control. It doesn't matter what authority, what power, what will try and stand against him and that name. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He holds the keys of death and of hell. He is the one who is the great I am. He is the man Christ Jesus, but he is fully God. He steps forward into that situation and says, I am in control. Why? Because I laid down my life and I had the power to take it back. The father gives it back. He died so that you and I can have life. Ephesians 1, 19 and 21, and his great, imparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms. All authority and power is sat below him. Where are you and I seated? We are seated with him. So if all power and authority is given to Christ, he also gives it to... Oh, we don't sound too convinced. If all power and authority is given to Christ, he also gives it to us, the church. Jesus holds both the spiritual and physical position to see things changed. And if he holds that position, he gives that position to you and I, the church. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Now, here's the good bit. This is why I said, if you're not in the room, tough, get a CD, do whatever. Archers, get ready. Psalm 18, verses 34 to 36. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You'll make your saving help my shield and your right hand sustains me. Your help has made me great. You provide a broad path for my feet. For what do we say? It's not a tightrope. So that my ankles do not give way. Psalm 18 verses 13 and 14. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and he scattered the enemy. Archers, get ready. He trains my fingers for war and my hands for battle. Through him, I can bend a bow of bronze. The tension needed to pull one of those bows back is tremendous. That many of the people who were longbow archers actually carried in themselves the sign that they were archers. Many became hunchback because of the amount of pressure that it took to pull back a bow with so much strength. 
You can have a guy who's working out in the gym every day and not be able to pull back that piece of string to launch an arrow. It was all the technique and the way they could pull it through. And they train their bodies. They arch their bodies in a set way. And God says, I will train your hands for war and your fingers for battle. I will give you the strength that will launch from a bow of bronze. It's not even a small bow. I give you the ability to launch intercontinental spiritual missiles. We are launching into the heavenlies. It's not just, I'm sat in my room and I got an email that said, Arches, get ready, let's pray. Oh, Lord, if you're willing and you're blessing, we take our position, we pull back our bow, we put the word in which he declares, and we launch it into the spirit. The Lord launches his arrows and the enemy is defeated. The arrows in the hand of the Lord. It's not about, I'm a bowman, I can go anywhere I want and do whatever I want. No, you can't. It's a time of training. It's a time of transition where we're going, okay, right, this is it. We're pulling through. Which direction? This direction. Let's go high. Let's go low. Let's go middle. You know that wonderful picture that picks in my mind, whether it's a Disney one or you've got your old Errol Flynn and he's there and he's he's Robin Hood. How he could fire that arrow and split another arrow when it was already in the board. He went straight down the middle, straight down the bullseye. God said, I'm going to train you so that when you launch in the spirit, you hit your target. There is a target, but it's a time of training. It's a time of transfer. It's a time of moving from one thing to another. It's a time to take back territory. Matthew eight twenty eight and 29. When he arrived at the other side of the region of Gadareans, two demon-possessed men came from the tombs to meet him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want from us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come to torture us before the appointed time? The men of Gadarean were so strong that no one could pass that way until Jesus turned up. There are situations that you faced, that I faced, that it doesn't matter where you've gone, you've never got through. Paul's, we sang from the song this morning, it's a time for those walls to come down. It's a time for those borders to be removed. Why? Because Jesus is turning up and it's a time to take territory back. And it's fantastic. They turn around and they say, there's not a debate. I don't know if you've noticed something here. He says, right, we're the strongest. Read it in some different translations. Read it in some different versions of uh, chapters. You'll see it if you see it through the Gospels, the story repeated. It says that they were um, chained and that nobody could hold the chains that were on them. They could not hold them. They broke the fetters from the feet. They were so strong, nothing could get that way. Jesus didn't even say anything. He just turned up. And when he turned up in position... That which was so strong that had pushed back everything else. Do not torture us before our time. Is this our appointed time? We don't know because we don't really understand. Is this the time? Are we going today? Will it be tomorrow? Do I get the bus? Have I got time to pack? Jesus turned up and the enemy had to retreat. It takes a different stance. When Jesus turned up, the enemy had to retreat. And he said, do not cause us to leave this territory. If you're willing... Can we go into them pigs? What was Jesus' response? What was Jesus' response to the man of Gadarean when you read the entire story? He gets out of the boat. He turns up. 
The crazy man comes running out of the tombs, giving it all the big wiggle, meets Jesus. He then starts to have a dialogue with Jesus about, don't make us, we're not going to be tortured, don't make us leave the territory. Can we go into the pigs? Read the entire story. What was Jesus' response? Go. End of story. Until the man is found clothed and in his right mind, and he begs to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and follow the way he's going. Jesus said, stay, go back to your town. But guess what happens? The people from the town who knew the crazy person, they come along and went, this Jesus better clear off. Because if he does that here, what's he going to do in the city? Another story for another day. It's a time to take territory back. I was reminded this week of the story of the, um, the Israelites when they go into the promised land. And we say, my God, where's the holdup? Why haven't we got everything today? And he goes, <laughs> I've got to train you to fight first. Because the armies that are there have been stronger and doing this longer than you've been doing. So I'm going to train you on route so that when you move in, you can move in. We're not having skirmishes. A little bit here, a bit of ground one day, and then six steps backwards. One step forward, six steps backwards. When I move, when I train you, when we move in and I say possess, we move in and we possess. So we turn around and we start to declare, my God, when we see it, The great comment from Smith Wigglesworth was was this. I am not moved by what I see, but I am moved by what I believe. So we believe to see. We don't see to believe. This week, I had one of those wonderful encounters. Like you, we went to prayer, little Daniela. We came through. I came into church, get away from everything. I just started to declare and I was, was working for about an hour, just pushing. And I felt the spirit go, it's enough. It's done. And it was like. Right? I came home. And then she said, what are you doing at home? I'm ready for my tea now. Why? Because it's done. It's done. Do we see it? No. But God says, now it's a time. We've launched something. We've launched that arrow. It's a time to step in. So now what we're doing, we're not declaring, Lord, healer, healer, healer. Lord, we thank you for that healing. We thank you for a testimony of that turning around. We stick our necks on the block, so to speak. Say, my God, you know what you're doing. We're able to start resting when we're being obedient to what he wants and we're launching things through, amen? But we're taking territory back. Stop trying to do and just do. Is that too simple? Stop trying to do and just do. We used the term before, don't just go to prayer. Because all the time we think something's happened, I just need to pray. No, no. Find the word and launch it in prayer. Because we are not like men who beat the air, shouting out every word we know. Jesus, you know, breakthrough, kingdom, advancement, changing, advance, accelerate. Any word that we can remember from church and we just start to declare, my God, this is what you said. So when you're faced with it, and she had a word when, when baby was poorly. She, said, she went to prayer, she came back and she had that smile on her face said, what's up? said, God said the baby's dead on the bed, but everything's all right. Fine. Got the word, you can now rest. When we don't have the word from God, that's when we start getting into confusion and we're not sure. We hop from foot to foot. We find that position because that's where he's training us and we start to push it through. But territory's coming back to us. We find that word, we launch it in the spirit. I already touched on before and I don't want to go through um, it all again to start touching about the long bowmen and the way that they took their positions and the way that you had to practice. It doesn't come 
just because you sit in church. We have to learn, be trained to be developed and advanced. I forget the, the tribe has just gone straight out of my head. But it said that they were so trained that they could use both right hand and left hand with the same ability. Ambidextrous in the spirit. Go, you, this is it. You hold me back here, I'll push there. The enemy can't hold you back. Aha, you want these two fingers? Well, I've still got these two. And if you take them, I've got my toes. Whichever way, you're still of use and you're pushing through. But the word that I felt for this morning, I, I just added it when I was upstairs, was this. It's Second Samuel 23, verses 9 to 12. We know there's a name above all names. We'll get back there in a minute. And it's speaking of David's mighty men. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai, the Aethite, as one. Why can't it just be Brian and Dave? Brian and Dave from Drolsden, as one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines and gathered at Pasdamin for the battle. Then the Israelites retreated, but Eleazar stood his ground. And he struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired. And froze to his sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. Next to him was Shammah, son of Agi, the Hararite. It sounds like Haraldite. Haraldite. When the Philistines banded together as he took place, there was a field full of lentils. The Israelites' uh, troops fled from them, but Shammah stood in the middle of the field and he defeated it. Uh, sorry, he, he defended it and struck down the Philistines. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. There is a time when those will be fleeing around you that you have to take a stand. People don't see it. They don't believe it. They don't understand it. They don't see what you see. It looks like you're being the crazy person, but you stand out and say, this is it. You stand in your lentil field, you stand in your barley field, wherever you are, you stand on Christ, a solid rock. Why? Because the word he gives you, it gives you the ability to stand. We said this massive, massive unfolding, and I'm sure um, when I was talking, I FaceTimed with Pastor Tony this week. And he just said one thing, he said, I have got so much to talk to the church about, about archers getting ready. God has been saying so much in my spirit while I've been away. You may feel or wonder why things have not been going well. <laughs> you may have wondered why you're pushing water uphill. You may wonder why I've not seen the breakthrough that I believe I should be seeing this week. Because things are changing. You're changing first. No one's here, so we don't tell anybody. But Thursday night, authentic sonship, God speaks and God builds are the next two areas that we're looking at. For he knows that which he wills, he now speaks about and declares in the spirit, and then he builds it. And he starts building it in you and me. And that's the hard bit. Because he speaks to all of creation, but to you and I he doesn't speak to, he builds with and allows our wills to be transformed and changed. Rest of that Thursday. But it's a position to take back ground and territories. We are changing. 
Pastor Tony has said and declared numerous occasions, we believe it as a leadership, we're building towards it and pushing through, even though we don't see it on a daily basis. This is a governing house. It's a governing house in the spirit. And you go, yes, well, look at you. It's four man, his dog, and Brian is all here. We're trying to get the job done. God says, I am building a governing house that enables us to take a position and launch in the spirit. It's not about numbers. It's about how we can take hold of what he's declaring and be the arrow that he launches. So he's training us, amen. So we already knew and we've covered from week one about the power of his name. We knew that as of yet, we have not began to ask anything. I'm not going to ask on your behalf. The father loves you. Go and ask him yourself. I think we've all experienced a situation where either the kids have come to you or somebody else. The amount of times people say to me, can you ask Pastor Tony for me if he would be willing to do this? No, you lazy rat. Go and ask yourself. Ah, oh, but he's your mate. No, he's not my mate. No, he's not. But he's my mate sometimes. <laughs> Depends what he brings me back from Australia. <laughs> and he better not be jet lag. It's all about people think you have a position to talk to somebody else. All the kids... Maybe me talking to mum or dad and they go, oh, will you ask mum? Because she said no, but I know if you ask, you know, all that bit where they play both ends against the middle. Kids being kids. Jesus turns around and says, don't keep coming to me. I give you the authority and the power to step in and do what I am doing. You go and start to ask for yourself. Now, that's where it falls down. It falls down because for some reason, I don't think that God loves me. I don't think I'm worthy. I don't think I'm part of the family. And he means everybody else apart from me. But no one ever feels that way, do they? I'm just saying that for reference for somebody who maybe one day finds the audio and thinks I'm talking to them. Everybody else fits the God model, but not me. Everybody else God loves, but he don't really love me. And God has never, ever had to deal in the life of a person the way he's had to deal with me. But that's, again, something else for another name. Why and how can we use that name? Why can we use the name of Jesus? I'm going to give you four very basic entrance points. Now, remember, I am skipping so much ground and we could be on this for months. And no doubt when Pastor Tony comes back and he decides to launch it, we will be on it for months. So don't worry if you miss today, you'll pick it up somewhere else. We get to use that name for the first basic reason. We're family. Romans 8 verses 16 and 17 declares this. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I don't know how many times he's tried to disown me. 
He tries to say, that's the black sheep of the family. He's the one that I don't really like. You know, the brother or sister that nobody wants to talk about. I think I live in that life, but he boasts about me. He declares, here's our kid. So I don't want to get too irreverent this morning, but Jesus Christ goes, that's my brother. That's my bro. That's my flesh and blood. That's who I'm building in and with. Look at the state of him. God help him. Is the rest of the prayer, but he starts off building me up. But because I'm family, you see, remember the scripture, the, the, what we've learned from, from John. As of yet, you have not asked for anything in my name. So let's deal with the issues that you think you can't launch from. So number one, I'm family and he gives me permission to do what he does. Because I am not only a child of God, I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Is that you as well? So it's not just me. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What about the next one? Now this, if you allow it to, and you pray this through this week, will mess with your head so much, but it's brilliant. Galatians 3, verses 26 to 27. So remember, we're joint heirs, children of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What about this? So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ and are clothed with Christ. I am baptized into, and then he wraps himself around me. Whoa. Baptized into, and then he wraps himself around me. And he gives us permission and says this, go and be me. Go and be me. I am baptized into and clothed with, wrapped around, enveloped, whichever word you want to use. There isn't a part of me that isn't covered by Christ. I am a child of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Therefore, go and do. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Why? Because I don't think I'm family. I'm not worthy. I'm not part. And he only talks to Pastor Tony because he's in the ministry. What a load of garbage. I am baptized into and clothed with Christ. Let that one mess with your head this week. He gives us full permission to go and be and do what he does. Jesus gives us power of attorney. Mark 16, 17 and 18. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands and they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them. They will place hands on the sick. And they will get well. Go and do what I do. Go and demonstrate me. It's easy to talk about him. 
But do you know it's just as easy to be him? Now, please, I have not just said we are all divinity. We are all the Godhead, please. We are baptized into and clothed with Christ. The authority which was given to him has been given to you and me. And the key to that authority is his name. There is a name above every name that every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord in heaven and earth and under the earth. It doesn't matter what I'm faced with or where I'm going. I am represented in Christ. I am a child of the living God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ, baptized into him and covered by him. Now go and do. As we said, don't keep thinking about how I will do, just go and do. Have you ever heard of the statement that says it's better to ask for, for, for forgiveness instead of permission? For so many of us, we're waiting for permission from God to do. And he says, I've already given you permission, so we keep waiting. I'm waiting for the nod. When you say, when you say, when you say, why don't you go and do? And if, you don't, if I don't want you to do it, I'll say, do not go that way. Go this way. But we're waiting, so we live very passive lives, always believing that I've not got enough faith, I'm not clean enough, I don't know enough, the word is not ingrained in me enough, I've only been a Christian six months, how can I go, how can I do? Because I'm baptised into him and clothed with him. I don't want to cause too much of a mess with your mind this morning, but let's do it anyway. Let's do it anyway. This is not 100%. This is just, we're seeing a picture. Do you realize that when you saw the advancement of the early church from the book of Acts forward, the Holy Spirit told them where not to go? Not where to go. All the time we're waiting for permission to go. Jesus said, well, let's start with something. Let's open the door and go outside. And we'll work it out from there. And we sat here all the time going, Lord, shall I go outside? Shan't I go outside? Shall I open the door? Shan't I open the door? Now, if it's raining on a Wednesday, if it's raining on a Wednesday, Lord, then I know it's the precinct. But if it's sunny on a Thursday, I know it's Ashton. And if it's sunny and rainy at the same day and we have a rainbow, then I know that's Manchester Piccadilly. Just go. Just go and be and be a life that reflects him. Amen. Do you remember when you were young, naive, stupid and you just got saved? Them days where you were full of faith and God could do anything. Them days when you didn't mind if you told people on the bus that you were a Christian. Those days when you said, do you know what? Something weird happened to me this week. And you just told people. But then you got educated. You got educated then. because that's, And then you got sophisticated. And then we, we became more spiritual. And that's when we stopped talking, stopped doing, sat there, lost all fashion sense, wore white socks with sandals. <laughs> wore white socks with sandals. And decided that if I were to carry this big Bible, that is now my message to the nations of the world. I will never say anything, but I will carry this. Just look, just look, don't you give it that? Just carry on walking. But the days when you were naive and stupid, anything could happen. Now, when I was a kid growing up, I grew up in the crazy land of Jerry Anderson. 
You know who that is, don't you? Thunderbirds, Captain Scarlet, Stingray, all the stuff that went on. And I love Stingray on my black and white telly with the big fish that used to come out trying to catch Stingray when he was swimming all there. Maria, knew all the words. Aqua Maria, I'm no, don't know. Don't tempt me, Dick. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to sing. It was all of that, all of that stuff going on. But there used to be the build-up, and it was all the music building up. And you get all giddy as a kid, and you can feel your heart beating. And they used to make this statement. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Did they not? Was that not the big selling point? Anything can happen in the next half hour. <laughs> You're excited already. That should be the heart we carry wherever we are, whenever we are. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Why? Because I'm baptized into him. I'm clothed with him. I see what he sees. I pick up his heart. I don't need for the sick person to say, will you come and pray for me? You're sick and I'm praying for you. Can I pray for you? No. Right. Well, thank you for the permission. You know, you just go in. You know, I heard one of those wonderful statements where you think, I'm good. It was at the time you think I'm glad it was you and not me. But you think, oh, I wish I had a bit of that as well. Peter Nichols, when he was here last year, he came for agents of change. He said, I couldn't wait. He said, I couldn't wait. I got on the plane. He said, I'm sat in the, in the lounge and I'm looking everywhere. So what are you looking for, Peter? I'm looking for somebody ill. <laughs> he said, I'm looking for somebody ill. Why? He said, because I believe God has been moving on us and in my own life in the area of healing. So I'm saying, my God, give me an opportunity to show off with you. And he said, I'm looking for it. And you go, oh, Lord. And do you remember the story I told you about Mary? When Mary was poorly in hospital. And Mary's gone from zero to hero, by the way, in the blood stakes. That's right, Mary, complete, gone all the way back from, you shouldn't even be here, to right over there. When we declare to Mary, Mary, the house is still praying for you, and we're standing in prayer. Well, never mind this house praying, why don't you do it now? Thank God you've got a nurse, and a doctor, and a cleaner, and, and it's, it's magic. <laughs> I'll pray in the car. No, we're doing it now. Because you just feel like, oh, I feel slightly embarrassed. Of course, you wouldn't feel embarrassed, would you? You feel slightly embarrassed. So it's there, and we pray for Mary. And Mary again, Mary said, felt at that time there was a massive turnaround started to happen. That peace comes, you know that God's moving. When we got a phone call on Friday from Z, why don't you come to the hospital and pray? You go, oh, I've been here before. <laughs> I've been here before. Where's Paul? <laughs> so we go to the hospital. And I didn't know when you go into these intensive wards, you get your own private staff sat there at the edge of the bed going, what are you doing? And so you go, they've come to pray. It's like, oh, oh you have, haven't you? <laughs> you have, it goes, there are 19 beds and we have 19 members of staff. And you just have a person sat at the end of your bed like that, observing you. And you just go in. My, and everything kind of wanted to go, see, should we just go and pray in the corridor? <laughs> should we go to the Muslimic prayer room, which is just down the corridor, second on the right? No, it was like, we believed, and as a family, we said, we felt the Lord say, call the elders, lay hands on her. And that's where you go, okay, we're doing it. I don't care if you sat there, if this award's full, all the machines are beeping. And this is where 
I'm not being flippant when I say it, but I'd gone in with such a confidence and assurance that God had already been moving and would be completing that work. Do you know when it says of the story of Jesus when the baby was dead and he says he clears everybody out because they're unbelief? I had a Jesus moment. And the Jesus moment was not because everybody was there. You go, right, I'm ready for this. I'm ready to go. Walk straight up like that. Just in the, and as I've, we've laid hands on, I just start to pray. The nurse went, whoa, hey, hey, wash your hands. <laughs> Don't touch the baby without washing your hands. And you've gone. <laughs> so now, I'm now like a told off schoolboy. And it, you, and wash, and it's all trying to do the elbow bit with a tap, and you get all the stuff. And then you've got to go and show the nurse. They look clean. Uh, go on then. And it's amazing that something as simple as, whoa, 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 go and wash your hands. So you've got to have a word with yourself. Still declare, God knows, God wills. And that that which you gave us peace about, we still have peace about. So we just started to declare that destiny over the life of that baby. We even got a bit loud, so it was all right. Before we got thrown out from being eight o'clock. But here's the point. There will always be an obstacle, even if it's you and your own face, and what you think other people will think and feel before you act. But do it anyway. I love it, and it should have been a Christian who did it in the first place. Nike, we all know Nike the brand. What was their advertising slogan? Just do it. That should have been, when they say that nobody can add or take away from the scripture, that should have been an extra verse. Just do it. Just get in there. Lord, what do you want from me? Just do it. Lord, shall I go or not go? Just do it. Lord, shall I help this person out? Just do it. Lord, shall I pray for the sick? Just do it. What's in your heart, Lord? Just do it. Better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Because all the time we miss our moment and think, I should have done it. I should have gone back. I should have had that conversation. Should have done something else. Just do it. And why can we do it? Because as of yet, you have not asked for anything in my name. I'm not going to ask on your behalf. You go to the Father yourself and ask, and he will give it to you because you love me and believe that I am sent from him. I have now made you a joint heir with me because of the sacrifice that I made, not how good you are. It's about what he did, not about what you did. I make you a joint heir. I baptize you into me. And I clothe you with me. Now go and be me. But as of yet, we have not taken him up on the offer. Hey, I'm talking to me just as much as I'm talking to you this morning. Why also can we do it? Because he made us diplomats and ambassadors. Just want to let you know if you want to bring me in as a diplomat... I'm not always the best. Because I can't play the nicey-nicey political game. If you ask me a question and you say, does this look nice? Do I look nice in this? No, you look fat. 
does this dress make me look fat? No, the chocolate and kebab makes you look fat. <laughs> so I don't do the diplomat, but I can do the ambassador. And it's not a Ferrero Rocher bit, girls, just in case you get down, it's all chocolate. The great thing is this. I don't understand the full laws of it, but I've got a basic grasp. So basic grasp is as good as it gets. If I am an ambassador, so I am the ambassador for Drollsden. Live longer, prosper. If I'm the ambassador for Drollsden and I'm in Australia and I have my headquarters, the embassy, do you realize that wherever that embassy is, is Drollsden? Yes? Unless you're a, we have a, an incident, then we might just have to come in and beat you up. But another question. So I'm an ambassador, so I represent the forces, the government, everything that sends me from that nation, I represent. That's why don't send a scallywag to be an ambassador. Yeah? Because you represent the highs, lows, the good bits, the bad bits of your country. But the ground where you stand is Drollsden. Now, it tells us that we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Wherever I go, represent me correctly. Don't misrepresent me. Oh, and where you stand, wherever you go, is my ground. Suddenly we start changing perspective here a little bit, don't we? He gives us all authority. He's training us. We know that our lives have to get right on route. We don't have to be perfect before we start to do. But he will clean us up. We don't use our grace as an excuse to sin. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, we just come to a close on this. There's more I can say, but I'm trying to keep it condensed. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. John twenty twenty one. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He equips us, he empowers us, he gives us legal right, he sends us ambassadors. You know the great thing about being an ambassador? If you chose to, diplomatic immunity is something that can be greatly abused, but it's fantastic. I can be in another man's land, abuse the law by speeding, Get pulled up by the coppers and go like that. Diplomatic immunity. You cannot hold me. You can't even arrest me. Because do you know what? Do you know if I'm sat in my car? Do you know what my car is? Drollsden. This is the speed limit in Drollsden. You cannot stop me because I am in my own environment. So the enemy can try and push you back like the man of Gadarean was so strong that no one could go that way. And then Jesus turned up. Heaven stepped into Gadarean. And what was the response? Um, shall I go now? Yeah, you better do one. Just go. All of that authority is given to you and to me. And if we could just grasp it, 
just a little bit, even just maybe 20%, 30%, whatever it is, how much difference would that be? How much difference would our lives be of pushing things through? I've seen things change. I've seen answers to prayer. Why? Because when there's a problem, I'm hitting the pastor button. I'm hitting the red phone. Hit the red phone. It'll ring in the office and everybody will move. Or I stand as the ambassador and go, hello. I'm baptized into him. He clothes me with himself. He tells me to go and represent him. Not only to say what he said, but to do what he did. Then we've got church. Then we've got church. In his name, they healed the sick, cast out demons, baptized in the Holy Ghost, preached the gospel, advanced the kingdom, brought salvation, washed, sanctified, and justified, and the rest. All of this is found in that name. There is a reason why... How many times have you been in Ashton, downtown Drolsden, seen somebody hit themselves with a hammer and shout Muhammad? <laughs> Done something and gone, oh, Buddha. But how many, even without walking in any way, would take the name of Jesus and pull it down to the gutter to make it nothing? And use it as a term either of swearing, cursing, something. They'll take Jesus Christ and pull it down. Kids in the playground, anything, you'll hear them use that name. But never anybody else. Why? Because the enemy would go, let's take it from here and try and pull it to here. So it has no weight, no authority, no respect. When Jesus Christ turns around and says, as of yet, you have asked for nothing in my name. But when you do, you'll receive. Because you're baptized into, wrapped around, you're a son, you're a joint heir, you're an ambassador. Noah, go and take my kingdom wherever you step, go and represent me in word and deed. And we'll fix it en route. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. There's so many avenues that we could have just gone down this morning. And when I used the term to you before about militant, that doesn't mean I have to start shouting and jumping up and down. The militant side of me is, Lord God, I believe what you say to me, and I now need to start outworking that in my life. So I look for opportunities. Lord, I'm going to pray what you're going to tell me to pray. I'm going to go where you tell me to go. I'm going to do the stuff, Lord. In fact, let's just pull that back a little bit because it just contradicted myself. Lord, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and do. When I see it, Lord, I feel your heart. I'm going to move towards there. Remembering there is a thing called wisdom and you have a brain. You have a brain. But we're going to step in. We're going to be and we're going to represent him. Amen. Because he's given us a name above all names. And we will see the results that he's talking about. Not a pipe dream, not a hope, not a wish. Do you know why? Because anything can happen. In the next half hour. And you know what was a wonderful thing? And with this, we de- <laughs> the blessing comes. 
Do you remember Finney, Charles Finney, the great revivalist? Somebody said, Mr. Finney, where is revival? And he said, I'm standing in it. Where's God? Where's the God of Elijah? Where's the God of your forefathers? Where's the God who does stuff? I'm standing in it. When we can start to look that way and not devalue ourselves so much that it's everybody else and not me, just watch how God wants to show off. Let's just lift our holy hands. Father God, we thank you for opportunities, Lord God, to see your mighty hand work. We thank you, Lord God, Father, for what you've been doing, and we thank you in advance for what you will do. Lord God, we thank you for complete healing and restitution, restoration, Lord, for Billy, for little Daniela, Lord God, for the other lives, Lord God, for Pat, Lord God, we pray that you will bring all of those bodies back into a full alignment, Lord God. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to change. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to stand with you and show, Lord God, Father, that the God of Israel is still here. Lord God, Father, I pray that you are pilgrims, uh, we are pilgrims, Lord God, on the highway to Zion. That, Lord God, we are not walking a tightrope, but, Lord God, you set our feet before us step by step. Lord God, you're a light and a lamp unto our path. And, Lord God, we want to declare in this day, Lord, we hear your word from heaven. We hear the whisper, Lord God, that says, archers, get ready. For, Lord God, Father, that which we see with our own hands, our eyes, which we see corporately, Lord God, Father, we say yes again to you. We align our will to you and we say, my God, have your way amongst us. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen.